friend or foe. What does that even really mean, right? Some of us, we, uh, we grew up in church and you went to church like because you had to. Like I remember when I was a little kid, I'm from Louisiana. Um, and in Louisiana, everybody is kind of a Christian. Like everybody kind of believes in God. Um, and a lot of people go to church, not because they want to, not because like they like, like love the idea of God, but because they like really don't want their grandma to not like them on Christmas and Easter. That's kind of like why you go to church in the South. Um, and um, I remember when I was a little kid going to church and thinking that like, man, the only reason I should believe in God is because I don't want to go to hell. And because I want my grandma to still like love me and get me gifts and stuff. Um, and, and like, that's, that's kind of how it is for a lot of people. Like, we don't want to go to hell. Like, we don't want, like, bad stuff to happen. So, like, if I believe in God and I try really hard and I do really good things, then good things will happen to me. There's kind of this, like, karma idea. And, and I don't think that we really see that in Scripture. And, and the idea of Jesus being, like, a foe, like, the enemy, like, where would that idea come from? Okay, we're going we're gonna to start reading in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. We're just going to read a little bit, and then we're going to kind of like read some more later. It's in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, while we were enemies with God. So the idea of Jesus being a foe, Jesus being the enemy, like it, it says that in Scripture. It says we were enemies with God, but that is not the entire picture. Some people could say like, nope, we're enemies with God. Like God hates us, God doesn't like us. But that's not it. Some people have this perspective that Jesus only wants us to follow the rules. And I think when you're like, when you're really little, if you go to church, like, oh yeah, God loves me. But we have this like very black and white understanding of the world, right? You, you either, you're either doing good things or bad things. There's no like gray area. And some of us have like carried that into our early adulthood. And if you started to see gray, you may be having questions or like, what's really going on? Like, where does this fall on the spectrum of black and white when it comes to, to sin and good deeds and, and acts of faith and works and, and all of those things, right? Some people have this idea of God as judge, jury, and executioner. Where God looks at you, he judges you for your sin, he decides what's gonna happen to you. And for a lot of people, that would be the execution. Like not good things happen because a lot of people do not. My voice just cracked. I don't really know why that happened. I'm 32 years old. Um, God looks at us and judges us for our sin. And if you did not live up to a moral standard, then you will be executed. If you're bad, you go to hell because you did bad things. If you're good, you go to heaven because you did good things, all that sort of stuff. And I think all of these have little nuggets of truth, right? They're not exclusive. They're not complete. They're not the entire story. You might've even heard that, especially in the Old Testament, that like God was just super mean. He was punitive. He would just punish people because he could, he was so unpleased with humanity that he rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. He flooded the earth and took out everybody except for Noah and his family and a bunch of animals that repeatedly God put the Israelites, his chosen people, into slavery and captivity. Why would God do that if he was a friend to these people? That doesn't sound like something very friendly, right? Like if I was like, hey, like, let's hang out this weekend. I'm gonna go like take you to jail and leave you there. You'd be like, I'm good. 
Or even if I was like, hey, I'll pick you up. This actually happened to me one time. A friend of mine, he was like, hey, I'll be at your house in 20 minutes. I'm gonna pick you up. Let's go grab some pizza. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And we stopped at the gas station. He was like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Can you go in and like put 20 bucks on pump four? And he left without me, just left me there. And I was like, this is a terrible friend. Now I didn't realize he was like parked in the parking lot and like next door. And he like repeatedly declined my call. I'm like, where are you at? Where are you at? Leaving voicemails, texting him. And then he pulls back up and he's like, ha I was like, you just lost out on 20 bucks, dude. And you get to pay for my dinner now. Um, no, like a good friend does not, does not kind of have that attitude. He doesn't come in with that sort of punishment. And all of these things, right? They have these little nuggets of truth, these little pieces of who Jesus is, but none of them tell a full story. It's like a headline, like a little soundbite or an article, right? How many of you guys have ever been on the internet and you find an article and you read the headline, not the article, and you walk away and you go, yeah, so I was reading this article the other day. And you guys laugh because you're like, um, <laughs> all these people have done that. I can't believe them. Right, you hear a soundbite, like from somebody's sermon, right? You hear a preacher and this soundbite, and then people either come away and go, man, this guy is incredible. And the exact same amount of people walk away going, that guy's a heretic. He's not even a Christian anymore, right? Because you didn't hear the entirety of what they were talking about. Just this blip, just this moment. You know what a good headline actually does? It makes you think you were attached to something. Good headlines don't give you the full story. They make you walk away with an emotion or an opinion or a feeling, right? Something happens, you get the headline. If you don't read the article, you walk away and you go, man, I know something. This thing happened and I have a strong opinion about it because headlines are not designed to be the entire story, especially like modern culture, modern news, modern journalism is not actually about any sort of truth. It is about like catching you. It's catching your attention, right? It's clickbait. But the only problem is a lot of things don't actually generate clicks anymore. You just kind of read the clickbaity title and go, wow, it's nuts. And you leave, you're done with it. We form opinions from six word sentences that only tell a fraction of the story and it's intentional. They're not trying to give you the whole story. They want you to walk away with a feeling or an emotion. And a lot of us do that with the Bible as well. If we open our Bible, the things that stand out to us the most are not the verses, it's the headlines above the passages of scripture. Or we think, man, the, the Bible's huge. I can't possibly memorize the whole thing. So we take these little verses and often that's out of context or, or, or maybe it's not even the verse itself, but it's what a pastor or preacher or worship leader or somebody else has said about this little snippet of the Bible. Out of context, you can make the Bible say a lot of things that it does not actually describe. And I think if we take that into our view of who Jesus is and we allow the world or we allow people that we don't know who don't know us, who don't care about us to influence the way that we perceive Jesus, we are going to walk away with a very fractured picture of who Jesus is. It'll be skewed. And why is that? Because the world doesn't know Jesus. They don't know him. Like if we take that little bit of Romans 5, 10, that, that I intentionally read out of context, right? 
If you take the, that, that full little passage right there, Romans chapter five, starting in verse six, it says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows us his love for the end that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Guys, does that sound like the work of someone who is your enemy? The answer to that is no. It does not. It uses words like justified, reconciled, saved, saved from wrath. And some might say right, right there, like saved from wrath. God has wrath. God doesn't like people. He's mad at his creation. He hates us or at least the God in the Old Testament hated people. Like look at the way that, that God allowed all these bad things to happen to, to the Israelites, to his people. He poured out wrath on them. And this is where that judge, jury, and executioner kind of comes in. Guys, God's desire is not at all that we should die. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, if you turn towards the back of your Bible, it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but wishing that all should reach repentance. God being perfect and holy has every right right now to pass judgment on us, to wipe us off the face of the map for bad things to happen to us because we are sinful, because in our natural state, we are enemies of God. And it says right here, but he is slow to exact his punishment and wrath, giving the opportunity for repentance, for us to turn away from our sin, to turn towards God and say, God, I need you to change my life. God, I turn away from the sin. You are my focus because God doesn't want anyone separated from him for eternity. He is a loving God, but he is a just God. It doesn't mean that sin is completely excused. God doesn't look at us and go, you know what? Never mind. You guys ever done, done that with somebody where like they like hurt your feelings, they do something to you and you just go, it's fine. It's not a big deal. And that bitterness kind of starts to grow. If you're in a relationship, like my wife all the time will say, it's fine. And we all know that it's fine does not actually mean it's fine, right? Especially those of you who say it's fine. Like it's fine means that like there's a problem and we should probably talk about this, but I don't have the, the energy to have this discussion right now. And I do the same thing sometimes. Like she'll do something that annoys me. She's go, what's wrong? And I'll go, it's fine. We'll talk about this later. But how often does later actually come? Right, we live in a culture and society where we try and avoid upsetting anyone or offending anyone. So it's a lot easier to just let later be forever later, right? God doesn't just excuse sin, but it says he is slow, excuse me, he is slow to exact his punishment because he has patience with us, his creation. 
but God is just. And in order that justice is served, someone takes that wrath. Someone is the recipient of the punishment that you and I deserve. And that person is Jesus, the one and only son of God who died in our place for those who repent or turn away from their sin and worship God. Our punishment is put on Jesus. Does that sound like someone who is your enemy? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The one with no sin at all, who, who didn't deserve any sort of punishment in any way, was perfect in every single aspect of his life. It says, became sin like became the embodiment of sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And those last two words right there, of God, that caught my eye while I was reading this passage. Because you know what that, that phrase of God, right? The righteousness of God, it shows possession. It shows that as God's people, as people who have repented from their sin and turned to Jesus, we are now God's possessions. He has given us a new name. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Guys, that's the way that it was always designed to be. Adam and Eve were not placed in the garden so that they could just kind of like hang out and like goof around, right? It's not like watching Disney Channel when you're a little kid. Like there's a point and a purpose to Adam and Eve's existence. And, and God says, be fruitful and multiply. I want you guys to glorify me, to, to bring me worship and honor because God alone deserved it. And Adam and Eve believed that. God ransomed us. He redeemed us back to himself that we might call him father, right? The song that we sang, God, you are father, you are friend. Guys, that, that establishes the relationship. That, that is how we are, and, and so many other things, but guys, we should not view God as if he hates us and we have to appease him. There are other religions that, that that's the way they interact with God. We have to please God so that he won't smite us. Guys, we have the opportunity to worship God, not because the fear of him smiting us, but because he first showed his love for us. And some might say, well, that, that punishment still hit Jesus like God must hate us. And I want us to get this straight. So, I, uh, I have a degree in education and all through college and part of high school and then even after college, I worked at a daycare, right? Little kids, not big kids, little kids. Um, and if for thousands of years I had daycare kids breaking the exact same rules every single day, don't you think I'd be a little bit frustrated? If it happened every day for a week, I was like, can I throw you over the fence? Like, get out of here. So, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if God's like annoyed with us because he gave us a, a set, not just of rules, but, but a, a way of life that, that brings glory and honor to him and fulfills our purpose in creation. And it's like every single day I'm like, or I could throw those goldfish crackers across the room. Or not only after I throw them, but when you ask me to go pick them up, God, 
and go find them and just step on them and just rub my foot into the ground. And they're not on like the sweepable ground. They're like on like the rainbow rug, you know, the one I'm talking about. Like, and all of a sudden the rainbow rug is like seven different shades of orange from all the different crackers and like, Yeah, I believe that God is a little ticked at us, not just for our behavior, but because he has given us literally relationship with himself. And over and over, human beings like forget about that. We, like, we look at it and we're like, or I could do this thing you asked me not to do. Like that's, that's literally what Eve did, right? He was like, hey, don't eat from that tree. And the serpent was like, you sure you can't eat from that tree? And she goes, nah, I can't eat from that tree. And he goes, or... You could. And she goes, and then the verse right after that says, and Eve saw that the tree was good for food. Like God said, don't do it. And she goes, I'm gonna do it. So yeah, God might be a little frustrated with us, but that doesn't mean that he wants to, to get rid of us. Of course, God is angry with us for our sin. It isn't, um, it's an offense to his very nature that we sin at all. But his anger doesn't burn for our destruction. No, his nature yearns for our redemption. Guys, God wants a relationship with us. And he is literally, scripture says he's knocking at the door. He's always present. And so often we make decisions to not place God in, in that position. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Guys, God does not want our condemnation. He does not want our destruction. God was not like looking at the earth when, when he flooded or, or any of the other things in the Old Testament that you've read about, or even the New Testament, Right, whether it's opening the earth and, and, and Korah being, and his people being swallowed, fire raining down from heaven, right? It, or Ananias and Sapphira being turned into pillars of salt because they didn't do what was expected of them. Like it's, none of that is like, God's like, yes. But God's just nature is satisfied when sin is met with punishment. However, Jesus came so that we would not, would not end up that way. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, these Jesus' words, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Does that sound like your enemy? Does that sound like someone who hates you or is angry with you or any of those things? No. What we deserve is punishment for our sins. Jesus came so that we might have life to the full. Guys, knowing God in a real and intimate way, that was, that was what God created us for. That's, that's, that's like what we're always longing for. Any sort of like, do you guys ever like name drop? Do you guys name droppers? Like you like went to a concert one time and you like met the drummer of a band and you're like, oh, I met this like famous person this one time. And like you built your entire personality around that fact now. Like they weren't, they were like this opening band and you're like, yep, they're my favorite band now. Best band in the entire world. 
four sweaty dudes sleeping in a van. They're incredible. And yet we have the opportunity to know intimately the creator of the universe that spoke spoke it into existence, that formed man by his own hands and breathed his life into us. And at best, God gets a couple hours a week, maybe a Christian t-shirt. Guys, God has a heart for his creation. Guys, we get to know him, not just as our creator, not just as our father, but as our friend. When I was in high school, like I'm guessing most of us because like high school is just that special time in life where you think you know everything and you're wrong. Um, I couldn't stand my parents in so many ways. Like I loved my parents, but like any, like my parents could give me any good advice and I thought it was the wrong thing. And one of those things was getting a degree in education. My mom still asked me, I graduated from college like almost 10 years ago now. And she's like, so like, do you thank me for getting that degree now? And I'm like, I still don't know about that. Like, still don't know. But one thing that is really cool now is that I, I've got a little more life experience. And when my parents come to visit from Louisiana, like, it's like I get to hang out with friends. It's not like, oh, I've got to hang out with my parents. Like, no, I get to hang out with people who love me and care about me and want what's best for me. And like, the relationship, the dynamic has shifted now that, that, I'm, a, that like, I'm a real adult, right? Because when you're 16, you're like, I can almost vote. And your parents are like, they should not allow you to vote. <laughs> and when you're 18, I'm like, I can vote. And I wish you couldn't. But now that I get to spend time with my parents and there's this more peer relationship, my dad, my, my father has now become my friend. And I think that we need to take that into our relationship with God, that it's not just this like father figure who's like looking down, like stern with one eyebrow raised, like, I can't believe you've done this. But if you know the story of the prodigal son where he goes, he squanders all this wealth and then he comes back and his father sees him coming down the road and he sprints down the street. This, this thing that was culturally like unacceptable, like old people, old people probably just shouldn't run in general. Um, but like in, in Hebrew culture, like an old dude running, like that's a problem. And this dad is running down the street to meet his son and give him a full embrace. Like, I'll pick him up, right? He takes the ring off his finger and places it on his son. He takes the robe off. He is not worried at all about the struggles and the suffering of his son, the sin that his son brought on. He says, my son is home. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Guys, the God of the Bible, who, who at one point would have considered us his enemies because we didn't know who he was, laid down his life and calls us friends. Guys, believing and trusting in God is what makes us friends with him. So it shouldn't surprise us when the world, when people who, who don't go to church, who, who maybe like have this like very, very small and limited like soundbite headline view of God, they would go, well, God just wants me to do the right thing. 
if I do enough good things, I'll get into heaven. Or maybe they see God as like, oh, God just, God's just waiting there to, like, to punish me as soon as he knows I've done something bad. When all you see is rules and not relationship, it's really hard to understand that Jesus is our friend. And guys, the message of the gospel that, that you are sinful and because of that reason you are separated from God that's offensive. How many of you like to be told you're wrong? Didn't think so. No hands went up. I'm saying this for the podcast. Not a single person raised their hand, okay? None of us like to be told we're wrong. How many of you like to be told you can't do that? Nope, didn't think so. And the gospel says that we are sinful and there's nothing we can do to solve that. We need salvation through Christ alone. So when the world says, man, Jesus is just mean, or Jesus doesn't like you, or he's just angry at you, or, or anything like that, you've got to come at it with this knowledge, with this perspective of, no, our Father is our friend. And guys, when somebody's ready to hear that, and they finally receive it, it changes their life. It changes their entire world, their entire worldview, their paradigm, whatever, however you talk about it. Once someone goes from lost to loved and they understand that, that will break down so many barriers. It will change the way that you walk through the world because you are not trying to do the right thing. You are submitting to a perfect and holy God who sent his son to die for your sins so that you might become part of the family of God. So guys, Jesus, friend or foe? Is Jesus our friend or is he our enemy? And, and hopefully you're like, well, yeah, Jesus is definitely my friend. But do we live like that's true? Your friends, like your, your family, the people that you love the most, do you... Do you only spend time with them when it's convenient? Are they like school friends? You know school friends? Like they sat behind you in third period, but you would never hang out with them on the weekends. Is Jesus like the inverse? Like you only hang out with him on Tuesdays and Sundays? <laughs> or is Jesus, does Jesus have our whole heart and our whole life? Guys, we just started our, our By Faith series on Sunday um, and if you were there on Sunday, like it was, it was awesome. If you weren't, we've got that online as well and you should check it out. But as I was writing down these notes on, on Jesus getting my first and my best, do I, do I live like Jesus is the focus day in and day out? And I'm writing down these things as Steve is talking and I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. And then I pause and I go, this, this is the test, Right? This is, this is the key. Does, does my life look like what I just wrote down? Not in any sort of like, Ryan, you fail, you're guilty, God hates you. But more so like, man, I get to live in relationship with God. I am a friend of God. Guys, I, I challenge you to, to think that way. Like when you wake up, before you go to bed, before you have a meal, before you go to 
whatever class, I don't know what you guys do. I feel old right now. But do we say, like, Jesus, you are, you are it. My relationship with you means more than anything else. And I don't want to say if it doesn't, you've got some work to do. But guys, there is, there's a component to just saying, like, God, that's what I want. And scripture is very clear. It's very honest. It says, make your requests known to God. So I find very often in my own prayer life, I'm like, God, I want to stop doing this thing. God, I want to start doing this thing. God, give me the motivation. Draw me into these things that I know are for me because they are from you. That's my challenge to you guys tonight. Like ask God to bring you deeper and deeper into that friendship and it will not disappoint you guys.